Hey, my name's David. My name's Tyler. We're the Shapiros, and this is Double Overtime. Alright, welcome back to another episode of Double Overtime. I'm your host, David. Tonight I got Nick again on the show with me. How's it going, Nick? It's going going good. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. Uh, so Nick's going to be replacing Tyler. He is on a, a business trip out in uh, Arizona, so... He's, uh, he's a little too busy for double overtime tonight, so we're, uh, we're happy to have Nick on. Uh, let's jump right in, and uh, uh, go ahead and follow us on Twitter, guys, at uh, the double underscore OT. Uh, also on Apple Podcasts, give us a subscription, just search double overtime, uh, give us a rating, let us know what you think, and uh, yeah, let's get rolling. So the NBA, what's what we're going to start with as uh, the Warriors and Rockets are, are in a battle right now in the third quarter, um, but I want to focus on the Cavaliers and uh, kind of what went on in, in that game. Um, are the Cavs in trouble, Nick? I think the Cavs are in trouble, uh, mostly because Tyron Lue is a is a awful coach. Um, uh, it's every time I watch them play the last game, two games, he really doesn't make that many adjustments. And um, Brad Stevens, I mean, he's just head and shoulders above anybody in the league. Just watching him coach, and that makes such a difference in the NBA when you have to manage all those egos and. You know, it's situationally, Brad Stevens is the best coach. Uh, LeBron, even though he's getting 40 points every night, it's look at what his team's doing and look at how the Celtics are playing. The Celtics are probably playing the best team basketball they have been all year. The Cavs are the Cavs. LeBron controls the team. The rest of the guys kind of fall in line. They're not really reliable. They're, you know, spotty. Um, But, you know, Rozier, Tatum... Tatum had a really good game last night from what I was saw, seeing. Uh, Jalen Brown's a stud. Al Horford's putting in big minutes. You know, it's 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 the Celtics. The Celtics in four. Clean wow. sweep. I don't know about a sweep, but look, you hinted on the two <clears throat> things that I talked about before the series started. And those two things that the Celtics needed to win was coaching. Brad Stevens, obviously, they have the advantage there. And then I said limiting the role players. You know you're not going to shut down LeBron. You know, it's you can only hope to limit him first game i would say they did a pretty good job of mm-hmm. actually shutting him down but like you said i mean 40 42 points 10 rebounds 12 assists and a triple double and and you lose by 13 look i mean besides kevin love who had 22 the rest of their starters tristan thompson eight uh, uh george hill three jr smith zero off the bench nance zero jeff green six uh and then corver with 11 and, and hood with two so i mean if you can shut down that supporting cast in my opinion, that's what you need to do, and that's that's what they have done. There's there's no stopping LeBron James, but like you said, the, the Celtics play great team basketball, uh, whether it's Rozier stepping up and making big shots, uh, Jalen Brown, who's had a great postseason, Tatum's also had a great postseason, mm-hmm. and Horford, in my opinion, like I said at last show, he, he's the glue guy for them. Uh, he kind of, kind of puts everything together. He's the veteran, and uh, it, it's fun to watch the Celtics team play. I love the energy they have. You know, mm-hmm. they they truly look like they enjoy playing for each other. Do you kind of get that sense? Yeah, I agree. And my thoughts, I mean, obviously you have Kyrie out, Gordon Hayward with that, you know, heartbreaking injury out. And I was thinking about this. Are the Celtics 
Now, they're not playing with a true superstar on that team. Correct. And yeah. I know you and Ty talked about it last show where, you know, Gordon Hayward's like right on the cusp of being that, you know, he's that second tier guy. And, you know, Kyrie is a superstar. Yeah. Um, but now, do you think that with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, it's a different series because they're kind of more ball dominant? Although they are team guys, I mean, Gordon Hayward's always been a team guy in Utah, and Kyrie, although he's been with LeBron the last few years, is. Uh, ball dominant but more of a team guy now do you think they're going to play the same way or do you think it's different it's tough to say especially since we never saw Gordon Hayward actually play I mean we saw him for what you know a few minutes Mm -hmm. before that injury but with Kyrie you know we kind of saw what they were the whole year and they were they were a team that was in first most of the year um, until until he went down with the injury so I you know it's kind of going to be like a a whole new trial next year with you know Hayward hopefully coming back to, to his full strength Kyrie hopefully coming back to full strength. You know, Jalen Brown in his third year, this should be kind of that jump for him. Jason Tatum has a year under his belt. Look, I mean, that team's going to be scary. Like, me and Ty talked about it. This is not going to be your typical Cleveland East, especially, I mean, if LeBron James, if he leaves, obviously that's not the case. Like, Cleveland's done. Right. But even if he stays, I mean, mean, you have Boston, who is seriously in a great position, and then the Sixers, who are, uh, you know, you know what they are. They're, They're young. Uh, trust the process so we'll see how that goes but I mean Boston is in my opinion if Gordon Hayward comes back and can be on that second tier of of stardom and and Kyrie comes back to being that star I mean you surround them with these great players and they play great defense they play great team basketball I don't think the series is any different I think they're still up 2-0 fair does that does I mean do you think having those guys makes them a a worse team no not by any means it's more of like you have that one superstar you look to rely on, right? And you can argue, although Gordon Hayward played three minutes all year, you know, very limited minutes, you can argue that Kyrie, you know, they can look to Kyrie for that superstar in the fourth quarter, as opposed to you have five guys who are, although very solid with Tatum, Brown, Rozier, who's on fire, you can argue that their selflessness almost makes them better. Sure. So, not saying Kyrie is a selfish ball player by any means, but it kind of changes. He has the ball that. in his hands a lot. Right. Sure, it yeah. changes the aspect of the game. So, I don't think that they're a worse team. It's just, you know, interesting to see, especially him playing Cleveland. There's that he can be in that mentality that, hey, I have to take over because I left because I wanted to be a guy and show that, you know, I can hold my own and I'm going to take the shots. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. We're almost, it, he becomes a selfish okay. ball player. So,. I don't know. I still think it's 2-0. I, you know, I said in the last episode I was on that the Celtics would beat the Cavs and that they would go and face the Warriors in the finals, which... So far, that's about the so only thing you predicted right. Hey. Because you've, uh, you've, uh, you've had some pretty bold statements about A.J. Green and Tyler Eifert, but we'll not, we're not going to go there yet. No. But, um, I mean, <laughs> do, you, do you still see the Celtics winning this? And, and I know you just mentioned a couple minutes ago mm-hmm. a sweep. I don't know if you were serious about that. Do you think they're... What, legitimately, what's happening for the rest of the series? Sweep. Really? Celtics sweep only because... I mean, although they're going back to Cleveland for the next two games. Yeah. The only reason why I say sweep is because Celtics are playing good basketball. They're playing great basketball, but I just... Ah, it's, I don't see a sweep. The only reason... And it's LeBron. That's all it is. LeBron can... Take win you games, he can lose you games. You don't think he can win one game though? I don't think he can. It's just because it's him. Nobody's playing up on his team. Even in years in the past, he's had guys playing good basketball, good smart basketball. 
he, I mean, it, look at Miami, right? When he was in Miami, although he had Wade and Bosch in their primes, you could argue, he didn't really have a supporting cast that was very talented. I mean, he had Chalmers, Ray Allen, Shane Battier, you know, Joel Anthony, but they had smart people around them. They were smart basketball players. They had smart coaching with Spolstra. They had Pat Riley in the front office, you know, making smart decisions, so he was able to win. There, you, you can argue there aren't really smart people in the Cavs organization, and as opposed to Brad Stevens on the other side, very smart. Danny Ainge, very smart. They're playing smart basketball. The Cavs are playing dumb basketball. Everything I've watched the Cavs in this series, uh, it leads me to believe that there are no... I don't think they have a chance at winning. Just because you can let LeBron have a triple-double, which... In my opinion, triple doubles are a very overrated stat. But you can let him have that and let the other guys get 6, 11, 22. You can let that happen and still win a game. Yeah, I mean, I just want to point out that in this Cavs uh, Celtics trade before the season started, so it was um, obviously Kyrie for, for pretty much uh, Isaiah Thomas and, and Jay Crowder. And then those guys got traded. Um, eventually for uh, uh, George Hill, Larry Nance, and uh, Rodney Hood, is, and Jordan Clarkson. Mm-hmm. Those four combined for five points in this game. Kyrie Irving's probably getting you more than five points, if he, even if he... Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean... 100%. Look, I, I, me and Ty talked about it on the last show. He, he thinks it was kind of a noble move by the Cavaliers. Look, at the end of the day, you're not noble. You, you're here to win championships, right? You know? I don't think training Kyrie was in the best interest for the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he wanted out, but you know he's a professional. I don't think when it comes to push and shove, he's going to be like, yeah, you know, forget it. I'm not playing. Kyrie's going to go out and give his all. You know, whether or not they have that same chemistry, who knows? But I, I would have liked to at least wait them to see to the midseason. You know, see how mm-hmm. they're working, and then look. I mean, it doesn't really matter. You have to get like a true, true, true top five player to get someone better than Kyrie Irving, like. right? So I mean, what what are your thoughts about that? the way the Cavaliers handled that? Um, I mean, I'm gonna agree with Ty that it was noble that the Cavs would do that, and they thought they were getting. I mean, it has his hip hip problem, but um, you kind of take that risk that Isaiah Thomas was who he was, and I even last year I wasn't sold on Isaiah Thomas. He had a great year. And it was a good story for the league, but I wasn't sold. Sure. He, you know, he wasn't a defender. You know, Brad Stevens, smartest guy on the earth, always hit him on defense. And, I mean, yeah, he hit some big shots in clutch moments, but I didn't think he was that good. And that's, I mean, he proved me, he proved my point this year. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, <clears throat> I think what they were hoping in that trade was Crowder to play up with LeBron, but they're the same kind of player. And they play the same position. Yeah, right? they play the same position. They almost play it very similarly. I think LeBron's more dominant and can score of course, easier, yeah, right. obviously. But you know they're defender first, and you know they're strong physical basketball players. But I, I think it's tough to be in Dan Gilbert's shoes because the chemistry aspect. Now, I mean, if Kyrie says he wants to trade, and Kyrie is a professional, but that changes in the locker room. You know, that's a whole trust thing. I mean, look what it did in L.A. when the whole D'Angelo Russell, Nick Young thing. I mean, obviously not to the success it was, but you have those trust issues affecting the players and the play. Right, but that's different when you're comparing a D'Angelo Russell to a Kyrie Irving. Right. And I get it. Like, right. I mean, maybe a better comparison would be if, like, DeRozan and Lowry had 
locker room issues, like something like that. But I mean, yeah, I mean to to trade a you know in my opinion a top ten player, a, a top three point guard, the best shot creator in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Man, I think it's you got to get more. Yeah, but they got the pick too, right? Man. And it ended up they'll end up with the eighth pick this year. So mm-hmm. I mean, you have a top ten pick, but realistically, I mean, you traded you traded Thomas, you traded Crowder. So essentially, it's you know those guys I mentioned before, and now this eighth pick, who maybe it'll be like a Michael Porter or something like that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, we'll see. Time will tell. This right. is this is not a right. an immediate answer. You know, mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, I want to move to the Western Conference. Okay. We have the the Rockets playing the Warriors right now. They're up sixteen in the third with a, about a minute to go. Look, I mean, the first game, a lot of ISO, a lot of ISO from the Rockets. Mm-hmm. I mean, James Harden was getting his. Chris Paul at times was getting his. But today we see, you know, we I've been watching this game and a lot of ball movement, a lot of cutting, a lot of extra passes, and that's when they're at their best. And what do you expect? I mean, Mike D'Antoni made those adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot a thing that I know Nick mentioned, or you and uh, Tyler mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't adjust well, but right. so far from game one to game two, you know, maybe he doesn't make the in-game adjustments necessary, which could come back to haunt him. And, you know, if they get to a game seven... Mm-hmm. Is this is this what they need to do to win this series? Yeah, um, I think overall as like, the series as a whole, they don't have very much chance at winning the series. But if they want a chance, they have to have that ball movement, and we're seeing that tonight. I mean, look, I mean they're up sixteen right right yeah, now. So right. I mean they're moving the ball. They're not playing a whole lot of like on Monday. They weren't doing a whole lot of team basketball yeah i mean i saw a stat tonight actually during the game james harden in game one had 550 dribbles steph curry clay thompson and kevin durant combined for 549 dribbles so i mean a lot of iso and i mean don't get me wrong james harden had a great game Mm -hmm. but when you're holding the ball for 14 seconds you know that kind of gets your guys stagnant and then you need them in certain situations and you know they're not expecting the ball they're not fresh they're Mm -hmm. they're not in rhythm and tonight they've looked in rhythm obviously they've you know they're up 16 that's you know when you're scoring the ball it, it will pretty much and moving the ball that's the best answer but look who's the who's the key in this series if the warriors are going to take take care of the rockets and and vice versa I want to hear who your key is for the rockets so i think the key for the warriors actually is Draymond Green really yeah so Draymond reminds me in growing up obviously playing basketball and growing up in Chicago almost essentially suburbs you have to root for MJ. Now, you and Ty have had this LeBron's the best of all time. Oh, I mean, I like I, I like MJ. Right, no, no, no. Yeah. I respect that. And yeah, I obviously see your opinion, and it's tough for anybody to answer. My personal opinion, I think MJ is the best of all time. Yeah, I go back and forth on it sometimes. But growing up, when I played basketball, my dad and I would sit down and we would watch the old 90s Bulls, like that dynasty. Yeah. And... In that second half of the dynasty, they had Dennis Rodman, and he was a very important piece to that puzzle. Now, Draymond Green is that same piece. You know, look what he did to Harden the very first, like the first quarter, shoved him. He should have gotten injected for that. He should have. He went for the neck. Now, he went for Stephen Adams in the you know yeah in the in the, the, the man area yeah. yeah and he went you know which is for a big guy you go for the legs that's I mean that's what anybody's told ever yeah um but for a guard you went up top like that affects you mentally now he's James Harden's got to think like man if I go to the hole this might happen a little bit more often and Draymond if he stays cool I mean he's a very tough defender he does a lot of overall like facilitating he can score 
Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Draymond Green, but I think he's the key for the Warriors. Before you move on, I want to say something about Draymond. He has constantly been out there saying that refs kind of give give calls against him based on his past. Look, I, from what I've seen this entire postseason thing, and quite frankly, anytime I've seen them play, this man runs his mouth. Mm-hmm. I mean, this man is constantly running his mouth. He is constantly complaining about foul calls. Look, I, I think it's I think it's quite the opposite. I think in, in a sense, because of all of the you know technicals and, and you know the hitting of Stephen Adams, there's been many occasions where he's crossed the line. Right. Look, to shove someone in the neck mm-hmm. and unprecedented. James Harden absolutely did nothing wrong in that situation, and then you know uh, later in that quarter he he fouled a three point shooter, got up and got in the ref's face. I mean, there was a couple times in that game where he—I mean, you can literally hear what he's saying to these to these NBA referees. Look, you say that in the MLB, you're tossed. Right. You say that in in NFL, you're probably tossed. Mm-hmm. Look, I think he gets away with a lot. And and going back to who is the key for the Warriors? I mean, it's Kevin Durant. This guy is unguardable. Unguardable. I mean, tonight he, the second highest scorer on their team is, is Steph Curry with 11. Kevin Durant has 36 right now. So. I mean, obviously, maybe maybe he's not the key if they're winning, losing by sixteen, and he has that many points. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, he's 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 so hard to guard. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times in these first two games I've seen him just catch the ball at the wing, dribble two times, and pull up, and it doesn't matter how good or bad a defense you play, he's making the shot. Right. So that that's my opinion. What about for the Rockets? For the Rockets, I I think. That's tough. I think Chris Paul honestly is the key. Now, I know that's kind of an obvious one, kind of like, you know, KD. Kind of like KD, right. sure. Right. I think Chris Paul is just the key because he makes that team go. Um, I saw something the other day on Twitter where it's, you know, James Harden and then the 2011 uh, New Orleans Hornets. By the way, none of those guys played with them, with uh, Chris Paul. I saw the same thing that you saw. Oh, one player did, and it was Ariza for one year. Yeah. He never played with Gordon or Anderson. Because he had New Orleans. He had left by Gordon, right. So, uh, I think it's Chris Paul. I mean, he just, he's a a point guard. You know what I mean? He he makes that team go. He's smart enough to make the adjustments. He's been around a long time. I've been a big Chris Paul fan his whole career. And, I mean, the things he does on the basketball court, being able to control that, even when James Harden's not on the floor, that's when he's got to show up and be you know Chris Paul when he is when James Harden's on the floor, he could kind of relax and take a step back. Sure, um, but I think one thing that Chris Paul, not even on the offensive side, is his defense. He's the key. great defender. He is yeah. a great defender. I mean, he can probably I wouldn't say lock down Curry, but at least you know slow him down. And I think I mean you said Curry had eleven points. Mm-hmm. I mean that we I haven't watched much of the game tonight, but that could be a reason for it is because if Chris Paul's playing defense on him. You know that's that's huge. If you can limit uh, Steph Curry to 15 points a game or even 18, you know let KD have 36, let Clay take as many shots as he wants. But yeah, you know, I I to answer your question, I think it's Chris Paul. Yeah, for me it's Eric Gordon. You know they kind of need that third scorer to go to behind you know Harden and Paul, and I, I wouldn't really consider Capella, you know the number three guy. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's the third best player in that team. Right. But it's because of what he can do defensively, mm-hmm. what he can do on the offensive boards, things like that. So for me, it is Eric Gordon. Um, and he's had a good game tonight. Um, he was a little streaky in the first game. But, I mean, if he's able to, to make those open threes and he's able to, to get his own shot when he needs to, 
They need someone to go to when Harden's on the bench or Chris Paul is in foul trouble as he was in the first game. So that's that's my key for that. Now me, you, and uh, and Tyler did a little bit of a mock draft. And so the first, uh, the, how we did this was, uh, so we went 1 through 15, and uh, we had Tyler go, me go, and then Nick go. Um, obviously the, the lottery was last night. I know Tyler was looking for some bigger things with uh, with the uh, Bulls. They, they actually slipped a spot down to 7. Um, so let's kind of just jump right into that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first pick um, from Tyler, which you can't really argue with, he had uh, DeAndre Ayton going number one. And I know me and you were kind of a little back and forth between that. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, DeAndre Ayton in the, in the center out of Arizona. Mm-hmm. Can you really complain about that? Um, I can't. And and I was ta- we were talking earlier about this. I per- Personally, I think if the Suns are smart, they'll go with Luka Doncic. But, I mean, if they pick DeAndre Ayton, I'm not – I'm not going to be like, "Whoa, man, that was a terrible pick." I think it throws off the rest of the draft, to be honest. But um, I thought it was Doncic. I know his coach. You know, he's familiar with the new Suns head coach. Uh, if Doncic gets drafted, he can control the ball. I know the Suns have been needing a point guard. Um, obviously, Bledsoe wasn't the answer. Tyler Ulis is decent of a backup point guard as he is. Not the answer. Alfred Payton is god awful. I don't get the infatuation with him. Uh, but, you know, I think Doncic is the answer, so that way Booker's not as ball-dominant. But yeah. Aiton is just so dominant down low, and, I mean, he obviously changes the game when you have a guard like Booker and then Aiton up at the center. I mean, like he's... I, I think Doncic is going to come in and be, like, an immediate impact on whatever mm-hmm. team he comes on, but I think Aiton has the higher ceiling, and that's what you're looking for in the NBA, you know. The Suns are not next – they're not a year no. away from right. being a playoff team. Mm-hmm. So I, I see it. I get his pick. And speaking of Doncic, I have the second pick with uh, the Sacramento Kings taking taking the point guard out of Real Madrid, uh, and that's Doncic. And look, I mean, everyone should go look up his highlights. He is he's crafty. He can score the ball from anywhere. He's he's athletic. Like, he's going to be a very good player in this league, and I'm I'm excited to see him come to the he's NBA. He's got such a good shot. And if you met, and if he falls to two, I think if the Kings don't pick him i think the kings are the worst franchise in the nba because they already are they well, already are right yeah. but you can pair him up now with because i think how how tall is he he's six i think something. he's a six seven six, six seven eight, maybe you could even put him as as a three i mean he'd be an undersized three but you can match him with De'Aaron fox and buddy healed and have him coming out he's gonna be the point guard well yeah, but and, and but he can play. But that's the thing; he can he play can the play one, the two, two, three. Right. Yes, he can. He's val. He's valuable. He's he's flexible. Yes. Um. So I had the third pick with the Atlanta Hawks selecting Marvin Bagley out of Duke. I think um, if Dennis, I know Dennis Schroeder has had his or is having meetings with the front yeah, office. Yeah. Um. Hopefully, if they can convince him to sign and say, "Hey, look, if Bagley falls to three, where this is our guy." I think Bagley, and I've been speaking highly of Bagley as even a number one pick early on in the season. Sure, and, yeah. I think you know, most people were. Yeah. Right, and like and like Ty, I was rooting for Duke this year. Just this year, just because, you know. They're fun. They're, they're fun, fun to watch. watch yeah. Right, and Bagley, I was hoping the Bulls are able to be terrible enough so that way we can I get wanted him. Bagley. Yeah. Bagley's good, but he's he him and Schroeder, I mean, Bagley's got a good mid-range. Um, he's down low. He's just a beast. If he strengthens up and you know he'll be an impact next year but in two or three years if he can bulk up 
he'll he'll be a tough player, and I yeah. think he'd fit really well with that uh, Hawks team. Look, Bagley is. You know, I kind of compare him to almost a Chris Chris Bosh. Mm-hmm. Um, he can shoot the three. Um, obviously, he can he can shoot the mid range. He can play down low. He can rebound. He can handle the ball. I mean, look, Marvin Bagley is going to be a good player in this league. He might be a little bit of a developmental to figure out: is he a four? Is he a, is he a five? Is he a three? We don't really know. Um, you right. know, we'll, we'll find out. But he's got the lefty stroke. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the lefties, <laughs> James Harden. Um, but let's move on. Number four, Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Tyler had them selecting Jaron Jackson, the uh, power forward slash center out of Michigan State. I think this might be the highest ceiling potential guy in the draft. I mean, playing for anybody playing for Tom Izzo, I always say we got to look out for him. And this guy is just—he's so dominant, athletic, so long. He's—he's just—he'll be a guy that's. I mean, another thing—he's like a development guy. Yeah. You know that in five years, three to five years, he can be. You know that stud, and if you can keep uh, Gasol, I don't know if they will, but yeah. if you keep Gasol, you can mold them to into being the best four or five. I mean, bring back, bring back the bigs, right? Yeah, we'll see. Look, I mean, yeah, Jaron Jackson. I, I think he's like six ten. I know he has like a seven five wingspan. Yeah, he's athletic. Um, he he shot over forty percent from the three this year, over eighty percent from the free throw line. He's not your typical big man. Um, right. He's he's kind of the modern fit for today. Um, he's a great defender. He can switch out on all five positions. Look, I think they're they're getting a very good pick there at uh at number four, mm-hmm. and at number five uh, for the Dallas Mavericks, I had them taking Mo Bamba, the center out of Texas. Look, they need that guy in the middle. They, they got do. Dennis Smith. Um, they they kind of have Harrison Barnes, I guess. I don't know. If <laughs> he's gonna be the guy that everyone thought he was, you know, some time ago. Right. But they need that presence down low, and I think it starts with Mo Bamba. That'll be a good pick too to bring with Dennis Smith Jr. and. I mean, he's he's a big, and one thing I notice is that the two bigs, if they fall where they are, I mean, Aiton number one to Phoenix, he went to Arizona. You know, Bamba five to Dallas, he went to Texas. Yeah. So I mean, they're staying in that state where they already have a fan base. So it's not only that you're also bringing in guys, but Bamba's really really good, and I think he can be good. He was just a freshman this year, which I mean, at nineteen twenty years old, stepping into the league with one of the bright future point guards. Um, and Dennis Smith Jr. is is you know something to really look out for. Yeah, that'd be a nice one to uh, pick a roll punch. Absolutely, I had the six pick. Uh, moving on with the Orlando Magic, I actually had them taking Trey Young, the point guard out of Oklahoma. I think everybody knows Trey Young. Everyone knows Trey Young. Everybody knows Trey Young. And you know, with my parents living in Oklahoma, I pay attention to Oklahoma sports a little bit more. And this kid, he. Remind, he's try, He tried to be like Curry this year, and Oklahoma didn't have a good basketball team. Trey Young is a very solid point guard. I think he was overhyped with some of his stats, but the kid can pass. He's got a good crossover. He can create his own shot. He was a volume shooter, which isn't necessarily a good thing. But I think for Orlando, they need some excitement down there. Um, I think Aaron Gordon's a free agent now, so they don't. They won't have him, but... They I think he's got to be on his rookie contract still. Aaron Gordon? Yeah, I mean, if anything, he's he's restricted, so they can probably re-sign him. So even if, if they try to keep him and Aaron Gordon, and um, I think they have For- Fournier was playing really well at the end of the year, and uh, Hazonia was playing really well at the end of the year, they have some guys that always draft like big hype guys. So I think with the Magic, they've he fits, and I think he can step in and kind of fill at least the spotlight role. I think he's really talented. I just... I mean, I think his college stats are just overblown, and he was overhyped, but I think he's very, very talented. Yeah, look, Trey Young's a a great player. Shout out to my guy Marvin. Uh, 
the guy that helped me create this show. Big okay. Oklahoma Sooner fan. Oh, boomer. So we would uh, give him a lot of give him a lot of shit about Trey Young and Baker Mayfield, but yeah, Trey Young is a, a great great scorer, a, an underrated passer. I mean, he led the the Division One in scoring and, and assists. Um, he's gonna come out. He's gonna he's gonna be flashy. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of has the Steph Curry, you know, body in the game. I mean, look at Steph coming out of college. He was Tiny. just a little stick, <laughs> and uh, so we'll we'll see. You know, we'll see how well his game translates to the NBA. I think it'll be translated very well, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on to number seven, Tyler had uh, his Chicago Bulls taking Michael Porter. I don't necessarily think they take Michael Porter, but look, I mean, this was a guy that was in contention for the number one pick before the year started. Obviously, the back injury. Um, derailed his his uh, only season at Mizzou. Right. But there's no denying the talent. We'll just uh, we'll see how that one rolls. What do you think about Michael Porter? Oh, if the Bulls get Michael Porter, it, we should throw a parade. Yeah. We should throw a parade for Michael Porter Jr. And here's why. I obviously Mike Pink. Shout out Mike Pink. Uh, went to Mizzou. Big Mizzou guy. And you know I was able to follow Michael Porter in his going into his freshman year. People were saying that he could have been the number one pick right out of high school. And I, I truly believe that. And I think if he would have played the full season at Mizzou, people would see that and he would be talking. We would be talking about him getting drafted to the Suns number one overall. But if we get Michael Porter to match him up, Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, Porter, Markinen, who should have been, you know, I was watching um, Get Up, the new show on ESPN, and Jalen Rose redid his top five picks of the draft last year. And he had a number three, Laurie Markin. Yeah, well, and he's he's Markin special, and then yeah, you can he throw in any center almost. Robin, hopefully. that's kind of why I see them, in my opinion, taking a, a Wendell Carter. I wouldn't be mad at Wendell Carter. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Wendell Carter, to be honest. I think he's kind of just like a bland player. I don't think he's going to come in and do anything special. No, but I think he's going to be a solid. You know, I don't think he'll be an all star. I think he'll be a solid starter though mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah, I think he'll be. He, his game kind of reminds me of. Uh, Bam Adebayo in Memphis, or not Memphis, Miami. Okay. He's kind of like that low post, that big guy, rebounds, block shots. Kind he of can more shoot physical. a little more than Bam, though. Right, yeah. but he has that, like, power. Like, sure, you look yeah. at him more of, like, a power Yeah, he's player. a big guy. Right, and that's, I mean, either way, I'm not going to be mad. Yeah. But I think they, I think Porter. Okay, so I had the uh, eighth pick, and this is uh, the Cleveland pick that we talked about earlier okay. from the Brooklyn Nets, mm-hmm. which they got in the Kyrie trade. Um, I have them taking a point guard, actually, and it, I think it's going to be Colin Sexton out of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Look, I mean, this guy was uh, supposed to be a bracket buster for, for a lot of guys in March Madness going up against Villanova. Um, he didn't didn't quite get the job done, but anyone that watched him throughout the season, um, dang, you know he didn't have much help around him. Um, I mean, he's electric. He is He's an athlete. He can score from anywhere on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to give kind of an NBA comparison, maybe like a Damian Lillard, Mm-hmm. Um, look, I, I think that. Colin Sexton is going to be a good point guard in this league. I do too, and I think if they take Sexton, I think that it almost makes LeBron staying in Cleveland a whole lot more possible because then you have that young point yeah. guard that can kind of take over as opposed to like George Hill. Now let me say, if LeBron leaves, and like I said, I think the Bulls do take Wendell Carter, I mm-hmm. think the Cavaliers would take Michael Porter. Here. Yeah, but I mean... That's the thing. We don't know if LeBron's leaving yet. Right. It, They'll so, know by draft day. I'm yeah. Sure. So you would hope. We'll see. Right. And I hope. I mean, I hope Porter doesn't fall. But if they don't take Sexton, they take Porter to replace LeBron. Correct. But I ultimately think it's Sexton too. Um, so I had the ninth pick, and the Knicks. I have the Knicks taking Michael Bridges out of Villanova. This dude can ball. 
if 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 he gets taken, he's another guy that at a small forward. If he gets taken by the Bulls, I'm not going to be mad about. It. I mean, we saw what this kid did all last year. You know, he's athletic, shoot a little bit. He's just an electric player, and I think the Knicks need something to, you know, to lighten their mood because sure. we don't know if Kristaps is playing next year. Yeah. Look, I mean, Mikael Bridges can do it all. He's kind of a – and, you know, we have five-tool players in baseball. I don't know if there's a five-tool player in basketball, <laughs> but he does a little bit of everything. He's athletic. He'll play defense. He can shoot the ball. He can drive. He can pass. Um, I, I think he's going to be a solid player. I think he kind of has the uh, ceiling of an all-star and I don't really think he has a very low ceiling. I think mm-hmm. he's going to be a solid player in this in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at the tenth pick, Tyler uh, picking for the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, this is via the Lakers, by the way. This is where he had Wendell Carter going, so slipping a little bit. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What, what would you think of that duo in uh, Carter and, and Embiid? Would that shift Embiid down to the four, or my opinion would be Wendell Carter off the bench, and obviously they'll be playing some minutes together. That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I would say Embiid's tough because he doesn't play every single game. He We'll see if that changes, but yeah. I hope it does. He has I hope it does. Yeah. I hope it does. And Embiid's a great player. And um, I just, if Wendell Carter gets taken by them, I don't know if that's like the, I don't know if that's the smartest move. I think he's good. To answer your question, I don't think they start Carter. I think he comes off the bench when Embiid's on the bench. Or if they match him, then they have Embiid slide to the four, the four, because then Embiid can kind of work his mid range, work the outside a little bit, and kind of take less of a beating being down low all the time. Sure. Uh, so moving on, we uh, we got the uh, Charlotte Hornets picking at eleven. This was my pick here, and I have uh, Miles Bridges out of Michigan State going there. Um, they need somebody. I don't know if Kemba's coming back. They. Uh, Kind of stuck with Dwight Howard now for a little bit. The Batum is on a bad contract as well. Um, I think Miles Bridges brings some excitement. In my opinion, I think Miles Bridges should have left last year. I think he hurt his draft stock uh, staying. Um, I, I think he would have been higher than than the eleventh pick last mm-hmm. year. But I mean, they're getting a good player. He's uh he's got to work on his jump shot to uh, to stay you know competitive at the NBA level. But there's no denying the athletic ability that this guy has. Yeah, this dude's electric. I also agree. I think he would have been a top five pick last year, at least top seven. Yeah. Um, obviously, he slipped a little bit more trying to prove something or maybe even trying to win at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he's electric. He brings excitement. Um, that's what Charlotte needs. And, you know, if he can he, – he, he's almost like – he's a more athletic, more exciting kid Gilchrist almost. And oh, kid I hope he doesn't. I hope he's not. As I bad hope he's as not as bad. I hope he's not either. But yeah. I'm saying like the guy can't I mean, coming out of college. Yeah, and and they're very athletic, good defenders. Yeah, can get to the rim. Mm-hmm. So my pick, the Clippers at 12, taking Robert Williams, the power forward center out of Anna. Um, with, he kind of showed out during the tournament. He did, and yeah, he showed what he can do. And he, if they can keep deandre i don't think i think he replaces deandre i think but that's the thing if they don't he replaces them if they do then he becomes that big four that i think he's better suited being like that clint capella deandre jordan i mean he's an athlete he can can block mm -hmm. the ball on defense like i think it would be in their best interest to let deandre go oh i would too i would too and that's this is the guy that replaces deandre and shows out with uh sure and so the Clippers, uh, they're actually picking back-to-back here. That first mm-hmm. pick was via the Pistons um, in the Blake Griffin trade. Right. Um, so now this is their own pick. 
And uh, at 13, Tyler had them taking uh, Kieta Bates, Diop. Shout out to Bubba, the Ohio State Ohio State guy. What's up, Bubba? What's up, Bubba? Um, look, Bates Diop, he does it all. Mm-hmm. He uh, Big Ten Player of the Year last year. He he can shoot the ball a little bit. He can get to the hole. He's big. He can rebound. He's athletic. I think I think this is a pretty good position for the Clippers to go 12-13 and get get two athletes. And we'll see if they go with two big guys and a center and a power forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both of those guys, I mean, Robert Williams is like a five, maybe a four, and Bates Diab a four, maybe a three. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if they go with the, the size like this, but I mean, I, I like Keita Bates Diab I do a lot. too. I do too. I was, I mean, he's another guy, he's been in there for a while. He's an Illinois guy, isn't he? Like, he's from Illinois, To right? be honest, I'm not sure. But he's he's another guy that, I mean, look, he he can step in, he can start in the, in that team. Um, him, if they draft Williams, you know, him, Williams, and Tito. I'm really high on Milos. Yeah, you like those Ricky Rubio type I, guys. I do. I'm a big fan of the point guard, the facilitating point guard. But um, I think I think that changes. Which the is crazy because you're not a very facilitating point guard yourself. Uh, I'm more of a two. All right, I'm more I'm more of a two and a, a, a facilitating two. Okay, that's how a I combo am. guard. Com- I am yes, I okay. am the combo guard. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll move on to fourteen. This is my pick with the Denver Nuggets. I have them taking the small forward out of Kentucky, uh, Kevin Knox. The kid okay. can shoot. Mm-hmm. The kid can shoot. That's today's NBA. I mean, you look at the Nuggets. They uh, they're a playoff team. Obviously, they didn't make the playoffs this year, but I mean, obviously, you have Jokic, you have Murray. Um, bright future. Bright, bright future. Team. Yeah, I mean, they had guys that that stood out. Gary Harris had a great year. Look, they're going to be good, and I think to go get a guy like Kevin Knox, I think he'll uh, be someone that comes off the bench and has an immediate impact for them. Anyone yeah, that can, can shoot can find a place to play his, in today's game. Especially, he could. that's his biggest asset, honestly, yeah. is that he can stretch that floor so that way you know Jokic can play down low and you know Murray can kind of do his thing. And I see Murray, Jamal Murray being a Devin Booker. A poor man's Devin Booker, but I see him having that high ceiling. I, I like he Jamal showing, Murray, yeah. He was showing out a lot yeah, last year. And, uh, you know, watch out for the Nuggets. Watch out for the Nuggets. I agree. Now, at number 15 with the Wizards pick, um, I, I have them taking Troy Brown, the uh, freshman guard out of Oregon. And I know that's – I I was really torn with this pick, um, obviously because you have Dame, you have McCollum, you have Shabazz. I think he's still there for another mm-hmm. year. Um, I think you can – this guy can be paired up. I, they had Pat Connaughton coming off the bench so i mean you can have this guy come off the bench score a little bit play with you know play with shabazz and then play with those guards and have that guard dominant um that guard dominant team yeah i'll, I'll be honest i haven't seen him play a whole lot in college i watched a lot of college basketball but being on the west coast and um oregon wasn't very competitive this year how you know at least how we've seen them in the past so I haven't seen him play a whole lot, but I've heard you know good things about him. We'll see how that fit is, like you said. Uh, I personally see them going with a, maybe a wing or a big man. We'll see. I think this is obviously our early mock draft. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely do one a couple days before the actual draft um, in June, and uh, we'll see how these picks change. We'll see if there's any traded picks. I'm sure there will be some draft day trades. 100%. But, um, yeah, that was fun. We will... Uh, We'll keep our eye on uh, this as it gets closer to, to June. Uh, I believe it's the 15th or 16th is draft day. So we got we got about a month. Um, let's move on to the NHL playoffs. Okay. Lightning got back in the series. Big win. Uh, now they're down 2-1 in the series. Look, is it fair to expect every home team is going to lose? 
it's it's looking that way, right? Yeah, it's looking that way. I think it's tough. I mean, to get that home crowd, that home advantage. I mean, we saw it, we've seen it for so long at the United Center with yeah. the Hawks, and that I mean plays a big difference. And I mean, to take the air out of the building is just incredible. And I, I would like to see it because it's a story for sure. Um, I don't think it happens though. I don't think they. I mean, I think I think that's it's in Washington, right? I think Washington wins, and I think they continue on. I think they win in six. I think the Lightning give them six games, but I think they'll ultimately the Capitals win that. Okay. I think, uh, I mean, I, I'm rooting for the Lightning in this series. Okay. I, I know you're an Ovechkin guy. I am. Um, I, I know Tyler's rooting for the Caps as well. <laughs> look, I mean, it, it would be nice to see the Caps get there. Mm-hmm. But, look, I, I think the Lightning are deeper. I think they have a deeper team. Um Vasilevsky's been kind of inconsistent so far in the series, but I, I personally, I think, I think it's going to be a home and home thing for now at least, and we will, uh, we'll see how it goes from there. I think this goes back into uh, Tampa two two. Okay, hey, so man. You, but you said six. Is that your I final think, prediction? Yeah, I think six for sure. I know the last show I was on, I had the Knights versus the Penguins, and obviously, Capitals beat the Penguins, and um, I'm, I'm. You know, ducks are out, hawks are out. I was rooting for the penguins. Penguins are out. So now, you know, so you jump into the penguins' rival? No. Yeah, well, hey, you know what? I've always been an Ovechkin guy. I mean, anybody can attest to that. Yeah, I've yeah, always liked Ali Ovechkin. Um, and any team Mia Khalifa is a fan of, I am a fan of. I'm a big fan of hers, and she's a Capitals fan through and through. And let's go Caps! I want to see what happens when they win, mostly with her, but with Washington. Uh, hope they win. All right. <laughs> well, uh, you mentioned the Knights there as a team that's tied one to one in the series now against the Jets, and uh, at the end of the second, right now, they're up three to one. So, assuming they hold on to this win, that puts them up two one mm-hmm. with another game at home. Mm-hmm. What do you? Are they going to the Stanley Cup final? You know, I said it last time too. I think the I think the Knights are what they are. And last show you guys were talking about was. Do you want the Knights to win? Because then, what do you have to look forward As to? As a Knights fan, and, right? What right, do you have to, to look forward to? to? And I, I'd like to see them get there. Uh, ultimately, I don't think they have. It'd be a good story, but I just, I think they, I think they beat the, I think they beat Winnipeg for sure. But it's I don't been, think they it's get been past weird them. because kind of all season we've just been waiting for the Knights to stop the miracle run. All season they've 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 been consistent. You know, they were the fastest team to, you know, whatever, 20 wins in an inaugural season. First team to 50 wins. First team to make the playoffs. First team to sweep in the playoffs. They've continued to make history. And I've just been waiting for it to end. Like, all right, you know, they don't have that many good players. I mean, they have a great goalie, Marc-Andre Fleury. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, like we said, these were guys that, you know, the teams obviously gave away to this expansion draft because they weren't necessarily, I don't want to say wanted, but they weren't necessities for these teams. And, And here they are. I mean, up three to one, assuming they went hold on, you know, like we said, they'll be up two one in that series with another home game. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. The Jets are good, man. The Jets, the Jets get a lead. The Jets are not losing, but the only game they've been able to get that lead in really has been game one. So how about how about Bufflin though, man? Can you imagine if he would have been if we would have been able to keep him on the Hawks? He's I mean, the last two games I've seen him play is just He's looked really good, and he's a different kind of player. Obviously, he's a little bit older, a little bit more mature. Um, but I mean, I mean, he's one of the best defend defensemen in the NHL, no doubt. Look, the dude is fucking huge. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so it's got to be so <laughs> intimidating to be in the corner, you know, chasing a puck and knowing Dustin Bufflin's coming for you, especially late in games when they're pinching and you know trying to get that game time goal. Mm-hmm. 
look, I mean, I, I'm rooting for the. I, I personally, I personally am rooting for the Jets. I think they give whoever makes it out of the East, whether it's Washington or uh, Tampa, a better series. But I mean, like I said, we've been we've been saying I've been saying this all year. I've just kind of been waiting for for the Knights to slow down, and they're right. not. So I, I think whoever is going to be in the Stanley Cup, and like we said, hockey's exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's never going to be like a, like tonight. I mean, the Rockets are up by like twenty five or something in the fourth. So I mean, you don't see that very often in in the NHL. You know, no one's winning. 7-0 very often. It happens, but I think it's going to be exciting. And uh, i got to ask you, who's the best player in the NHL right now? Man. I'll tell you mine. It's Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid's very, very good. Very good. One, if, Obviously, yes. I would agree with you. Um, but uh, I still think it's Sidney Crosby. the kid. I, it's just so hard to not... And I, being an Ovechkin, you're either... If you're with Ovechkin, you don't like Crosby. If you don't like Cro- if you like Crosby, you're you against like Ovechkin. Sure. And Crosby's just so fucking good. He's unbelievable. He does everything, everything. And I mean, yeah, no, Connor no McDavid's yeah. Connor McDavid's unbelievable. And I think, you know, he gets that torch passed to him. But I think he, Sidney Crosby's still running with it. Okay. Okay. And I'm by the way, the uh, the Rockets with three minutes left are up twenty six points. Jesus. PJ Tucker, eight and nine shooting, twenty two points. Eric Gordon, uh, team high, tied with James Harden, twenty seven points. So my key to success. Sharing the wealth. Key to success right there. Some <laughs> some ball movement. How's Chris Paul doing? Chris Paul has sixteen points, six assists, four rebounds on six of fourteen shooting. So okay. Not not bad, not, not bad, not great, not great but but yeah, yeah I mean, every, solid. Literally every player besides Luke Mbamute is a plus. He was terrible. He is. He can't play anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I from yeah from the first game Monday and especially today. I mean, the dude has missed like four open layups. Look, I I mean, I know that they got him over here to play defense and to you know hopefully stretch the floor, but he can't play. No. Uh, let's let's move on from the NHL and uh, we'll move over to the MLB. Okay. Um, I want to ask you, who? is the one player you would start a franchise with. And I think it's pretty obvious. But there, I could see people having a couple opinions. Who is yeah. the guy? Um, I was torn with this one. Ultimately, I'm going to say Mike Trout. Sure. And, I, and I, I mean, you can't disagree. The other one, the only other one I was thinking about was Nolan Arenado. Really? Really. No. That's not the other one I would have thought of. Who you? I would I would have probably thought of Mookie Betts. Pretty, uh, see, pretty I just too. Uh, Nolan's just he consistent, hits, consistent, consistent every great year. Defender, yeah. Great defender. I mean, he's a, he's a leader. I mean, he, we obviously saw it. he was in the brawl this year, but um, I mean, my answer is Mike Trout. I mean, he's still the best player in baseball. I think he actually goes down as one of the top five players in baseball ever. And I know that's tough because you have different positions and whatnot, but Mike Trout just clearly just can hit for power hit for contact fields well um he's got speed on the base he's a good base runner i mean he's just he's a stud he is the star of the ml he is the face of the mlb and that's the guy you want he's still what 25 years old 26 years old still in his prime hitting you know 30 home runs every year and top two in mvp votes his whole career yeah look he's been impactful from his rookie year um he's 26 and yeah, I mean that's the guy I'm taking, Mike Trout. It's not like he's 30 years old and doing this. He's 26. Mm-hmm. Um, this this you know essentially should be kind of 
where he starts peaking. And we've seen him with historic numbers before this, um, whether it's the OPS or the war, um, win above replacement. He's I know he's on pace if he has like the worst year of his career and win above replacement, he will still like break the record for that that category before his like age twenty seven season. And I think it's like Ty Cobb or Joe DiMaggio or so uh, one of the best players of all right. times. And I, and I agree, you know, if, if Mike Trout can, you know, stay the same and there's no reason that he can't, barring any injuries, I know that's been kind of an issue for him in the past, mm-hmm. I think he's a top five player ever too. And it is hard to compare. You know, there were so many different generations when, you know, pitchers were pitching 300, 400 innings. Now there was guys hitting 60, 70 home runs in a season. The game's changing constantly. Mm-hmm. But for him to have those five tools, like you said, he's fast. He's an incredible defender. He hits for average. He hits for power. Mike Trout's the answer, and I think it's pretty easy. What about if you could start a franchise with any current MLB team, their their entire roster, including their farm system? Who, what team would you take over? Another one I was tough about, and we talked about this off air, and I was torn between the Cubs and the Braves. Now, ultimately, I think I take the Cubs, and it's not being a homer. It's you know, it is what it is. But um, the Cubs just have. They have a deep roster, and I know their farm system's not as great as they used to be when we traded, you know, we traded Glaber Torres for Chapman, we traded, you know, we traded other guys that were sure. key guys, and, you know, they just, Chris Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, their whole infield is still under 26 years old, um, I think Rizzo's like 27 or something, but they're still young, they have Almora, Hap, Schwarber, um, their pitching's a little rocky, but I mean, in their uh, farm system, they have actually decent pitching, and they have decent pitching prospects moving forward. And I think the Cubs, I mean, Wilson Contreras is, I think, my favorite player on that team. I don't know if it's because I've caught for so long that I can, you know, appreciate what he's doing behind the dish every day. But they just they have guys like you know, I'll say it again, Bryant Rizzo. I think Bryant Rizzo, Baez, and Contreras. I know I said this on the last show about Baez. I think he's the MVP right now. I think if he continues, and I said if he continues, he'll be an MVP. But I think at some point in their career, I mean, we've seen it with Bryant already. I think these four can go out and win an MVP. Now it's tough because they play in a, such a star-studded National League in terms of individuals. But um, I just think they have the deepest roster there is right now, and the best front office in baseball. Yeah, so I was kind of between two teams, and it's one of the teams you mentioned, and it was the Atlanta Braves, and the other one for me was the New York Yankees. Um, the Yankees, as we know what they have right now with, you know, Judge, who's killing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Giancarlo, Gary Sanchez, you know, Didi Gregorius. Um, they got those young guys over in, in the infield too, uh, Miguel Andujar. Um, they're pitching. I mean, Severino's going to be a stud for years. And their farm system is really – that's the difference between the Cubs and the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cubs may be a little deeper in the MLB, um, you know, on their 25-man roster. Um, but when you look at the farm system, yeah, the Cubs kind of depleted that to build this 25-man roster. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. You know, the Braves, the reason I had the Braves up there was because the guys that they have at the top of their, their talent list, mm-hmm. they're finally in the MLB, and we see what they can do, whether it's Acuna, um, Alves. Um, obviously, Freddie Freeman is what he is. Mm-hmm. Um, look, they, they have a great farm system still as well. You know, Dansby Swanson obviously made a great jump this year. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good teams in good positions. I, I think right. you could have, you know, even taken a team like the Red Sox, um, you know, some young guy, and then the White Sox wouldn't be a bad one either. Mm-hmm. Look, I mean, the, the MLB's kind of in a state where you're either really good or really bad. 
There's right. not a whole There's lot no of in between, between unless so, you're the AL Central. Well, that's just <laughs> yeah. We're not getting on the AL Central, but um, so those are my two teams uh, that I kind of looked at. Give me the team that's overperforming that misses the playoffs right now. Phillies, okay. Phillies. I know they're sitting second right now in the NL East, but ultimately, I think the Nationals catch up. I think that there are a lot of good teams in the National League this year. I think they don't make the wild card. I think they're overperforming. I think they level out. Um, I don't think they win the division. I think the Nationals win that division at the end of the year, just because they've they're built to win that division. Um, and I think that the Braves slide into a wild card this year, okay. but I don't think the Phillies will stay. I think they'll be that team that's like that's good. They'll be that middle of the pack finish, maybe eighty. Uh, 81 and 81 right around there sure. yeah right around 500 and you know kind of fizzle off yeah i mean look the uh the nationals are playing better baseball since the last time we've had you on here uh they are sitting at 24 and 18 now so they're two games uh behind the braves a game behind the phillies for me the answer is in the in the nl central pittsburgh um you know they're tied for first right now sitting at 25 and 17 i i don't see that keeping up i've been on record saying that they will be the worst team in the mlb this season I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the MLB now based on the start that some of these teams have had. Right. But I don't think they make the playoffs. Um, personally, I don't think they – I think they end up in second to last place. Um, I, I think it's going to be the Cubs and then Brewers Cardinals fighting for that second, third, and maybe the second wild card spot as well. Right. Um, now, what about flip that? Who is the team that's struggling right now that makes the playoffs? Minnesota. I couldn't remember what team it was for a second. Minnesota Twins. So now they're sitting second in the AL Central right now. I made a comment just now about how they're the AL Central's the worst division in baseball. Um, I think they come back. I think they hit a stride. Now they have not many people. I hope people start to learn this name, Jose Barrios. Yeah. Their starting pitcher. Young Stug. This guy is electric. His yeah. slider is other than Sale, I think he's got the best slider in baseball. The best slider for a right-handed pitcher in baseball. This kid's electric. They have Brian Dozier, who is the quietest, best second baseman in the league. Um, they have Miguel Sano. They have Joe Maurer, who's a veteran, who can still put up 300, or, you know, 300 average. Um, you know, they have Buxton when he's healthy. You know, they have the team to go out and win the division. They're just underperforming right now, and I think that division is so bad that they'll end up you know, making that first place and getting into the playoffs. You know, for me, I'm going to take the easy way out. Um, I wanted to say the Dodgers, but that division's too good, in my opinion. You know, the Diamondbacks up top, and then the Rockies are also playing good baseball. You know, the Giants are sitting right around 500. I mean, when's the last time we saw the Dodgers in last place? You know, they're sitting at 16 and 26, eight and a half games out. We've just kind of been waiting for them to turn it around. And they might, you know, the thing is, you look at the run differential, you know, teams above them in their division, the only team that's above, positive, is is the Diamondbacks, and they're the closest at minus four. And they just actually lost A.J. Pollock for four to eight weeks. The Diamondbacks, yeah, he broke mm-hmm. his thumb, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I'm going to take the easy way out, and it's kind of hard to say you're struggling when you're in first place, but I'm going to go back to the AL Central and, and the Cleveland Indians, um, 21 and 21. I mean, I don't think many people thought that they would be sitting at 500, you know, so for me, I'll, I'll take the Indians. I think they end up eventually finding their stride. Luckily for them, they are in a terrible division, and they can have all the time they want. 
because the White Sox are terrible, the Royals are terrible, um, the Tigers are bad, and then the Twins, who have also been underperforming. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's so hard to say a team at first is underperforming, but they are. They are. You know, they are. So that, I'll take that. So we both have AL Central teams, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's that for that. Let's move on from the MLB. We are going to talk about the NFL. We uh, we skipped our rankings on the last show because we had a barbecue to get to, me and Tyler. BBQ. BBQ. Mother's Day barbecue. <laughs> shout um, out shout out Sharon Shapiro. Shout out Sharon Shapiro and, uh, and Chris. Chris Shapiro. Um, so, yeah, we were going to talk about the NFL rankings this, uh, this week. We had the opportunity to give our rankings for cornerbacks and safeties. So let's start with the, uh, the safeties, actually. Uh, we'll give you the 1 through 10. And uh, the unanimous number one from everybody, Harrison Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving down the list, these were all kind of bunched up. It was not much separation between the uh, the two and ten, and specifically like the two and the the, the six ish, seven ish area. Uh, but going down after Harrison Smith, we got Kevin Byard from the from the Titans, Earl Thomas, Lamarcus Joyner, Adrian Amos, Eric Berry, Cam Chancellor, Landon Collins. Glover Quinn and Rashad Jones. Any surprises on that list? Anyone that you thought would be a little higher or lower? So, I mean, not necessarily. Um, I think the biggest surprise, in my opinion, was, um, well, one, Eric Berry, I think, was lower than I anticipated. I thought Eric Berry, we would all have him a little bit up more. Might be the injuries. Yeah, and that's and then that's what I'm thinking. But Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor are on there. And, I mean, I know they're such great safeties. I just figured with how old they were that there were there's more young talent in the league that would surpass them. But I mean, kudos to them for showing how still dominant those two are. And yeah, if if it's one of those two, I'm probably more surprised that Cam Chancellor's on mm-hmm. there because the you know the injuries as well. Right. Um, the age is a thing. Uh, Earl Thomas, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, mm-hmm. the dude still flies around the field like he's 25. But is there anyone on the list that you think falls out of this top ten? Maybe a Cam Chancellor? I think Cam, yeah. I think if it's one person, it's Cam Chancellor for sure. I mean, Seattle, I mean, who knows what that secondary, who knows what that team's going to be like next yeah. year. And, you That's know, everybody, and everybody anticipated Seattle to be, you know, the next, for the five, past five years to be the top team that, I mean, that defense is amazing, but, I mean, we see what the secondary is now. And I think that Chancellor is the guy that falls out. Okay. Uh, for me, if I if I'm taking one guy to fall out of this list, and uh, I'm sorry, Tyler, it's it's a Rashad Jones, of uh, the Miami Dolphins. He barely snuck in our top ten, um, and the reason he probably did was because of where Tyler had him ranked. But what do you have him ranked one? No, nah, I didn't have him one. I will uh, won't call him out on this one, even though we call you out quite often. Uh, every episode, every we have to, <laughs> we have to. But uh, yeah, I think Rashad Jones falls out of the top ten. And then on the flip side, I think someone that. Um, well, first of all, I think it was kind of a shock to me going back to the first question I asked you, um, that Keanu Neal was not on this list. Um, he is a he is a stud. And then looking on the flip side of who I think can jump in the top ten, this was someone you had in your top ten actually. Uh, might mispronounce his first name here, but uh, Jaquiski Tart, <laughs> Jaquiski Tart. Uh, he's uh, out of the, out of the San Francisco Forty Nine er organization. He. Uh, I know he got injured at the end of last year, so that may have uh, hampered some things, but he was playing really well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was actually looking at Pro Football Focus rankings. Um, Really cool website, by the way, for anyone that's super into analytical and statistical data. Um, They actually had him ranked as, uh, I think, the sixth best safety in the league. 
So I think he'll hop in the top 10. He's a young guy, 25. He came out of Samford. I thought he came from Stanford for so long. <laughs> and uh, he's he's a good player, Nick. Yeah, no, he is. And, I mean, I would agree with you. I think he's that guy that jumps in there too just because of how the Niners are starting to turn really it around. Turn, sure. Yeah, turn it around. I think he's, I think this is his, you know, his homecoming year that he gets in that top 10 list. Yeah. And so the three guys that just were outside of our top 10, and like I said, after Harrison Smith, the unanimous number one, it was pretty close. Um, but it was Keanu Neal, Jesquiski Tart, and uh, Patrick Chung. So, I mean, this the safeties for me wasn't as difficult, clearly. Um, not for everyone either. We had Harrison Smith, unanimous mm-hmm. number one. Let's move on to the corners where it was very different. A lot of uh, a lot of diversity in these in, in our lists and a lot of uh, disparity. So we'll, we'll go one through ten. We had a tie at, at four, um, but number one was uh, Jalen Ramsey. Number two, Marcus Peters. Number three, uh, Jalen Ramsey's teammate AJ Bouye. And then tied for four, we had Casey Hayward and Xavier Rhodes. Um, so that skips us to six, where we had the rookie Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, number seven, Chris Harris. Number eight, Aqib Talib. Number nine, Patrick Peterson. Number ten, Darius Slay. So some big names missing from that list. Mm-hmm. Which of uh, these guys on the list surprised you that, that that they're in the top ten? I think one guy that surprises me. They're so tough, man. There's a lot of good corners. They I got a lot. This was one of the tougher ones for I, me. You know what? To be honest with you, I can't really say I'm surprised because all these guys were in my top ten too. I think I also had Richard Sherman in my top ten, but none of them really surprised me. It was just so tough. I, I'm not. I'm not surprised by any one of these guys. I mean, when when you look at how Jacksonville or Saxonville did last year, you know, Jalen Ramsey stud, Bouye stud. Um, I think the one thing that surprised me. I think I had uh, Xavier Rhodes as my one, and you know, to see him at four, I'm just a little. I was a little shocked at that. Uh, but I mean, none of these. Ultimately, to answer your question, none of these guys really. None. Yeah, we're surprised. Yeah, it's they kind all of kind tough, of deserve. You know, I'm looking at the list, and I don't want to say anyone surprises me, but if there's one person that I could see not being on this top ten list, and man, it's tough because he's really, really good. I'd probably say Akib Talib. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I had Xavier Rhodes pretty high on my list as well. Um, the person I'm surprised is actually the guy that he was tied with, Casey Hayward. Mm-hmm. I thought he would be a lot higher. Yeah. Um, anyone that watched, you know, the Chargers play last year and, and saw some of what he can do. Dude, this guy's good. Mm-hmm. That defense is going to be very good next year. And uh, I think Casey Hayward is one of the guys that has potential to hop into the top three area. Um, are you surprised that we have two te- two teammates in the top three? Um, I mean, no, just because how good they were last year. Yeah. And Ramsey was a guy that I thought, you know, was number one or could be number one, and Bouye was a close second. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not surprised. No. I mean, Jacksonville's defense was just unbelievable. Like, basically got onto the AFC Championship game. Blake Bortles is not an elite quarterback. No, yeah, I mean, Blake Bortles was not the reason they were there. It was mm-hmm. the defense and the running. Um, is there anyone on the list that falls out of the top ten for you? Like you said, Hugh <laughs> Talib. Yeah, I think his his better days are behind him. Um, I think there are just so many other guys that are better than him. That you know he'll have a down year in uh, in Denver this year, and he's on the Rams now. He's on the Rams now. He's on okay. the Rams now. So he's across with Marcus Peters, who's also on the Rams now. I just, I just think he falls out. I just think age comes up, gets catches up to him. Yeah, he might be the oldest guy that's on this list. Um, 
just based off of the blind looking at this, I think he's got to be the oldest one on that list. Um, for me, if there's someone that falls out of the top 10 besides Aqib Talib, I will go with uh, Darius Slay. I mean, I'm a big fan of Darius Slay. Obviously, he plays in the NFC North, though. So he's going to see Aaron Rodgers twice. He's going to see now, you know, Trubisky in his second year twice. Mm-hmm. And then now he's going to see someone different in Minnesota, obviously. <laughs> um, you know, Kirk Cousins. So to see those guys six times in a year, you know, on top of, I'm pretty sure the NFC North has a pretty, t- I don't know, I want to say it might be the AFC East Sounds or AFC right. South. But I could be completely wrong. Don't don't quote me on that. But either way, to face Aaron Rodgers twice, whom he did not have to do that last year with the injuries, you know, Mitchell Trubisky with more weapons around him, and, and like I said, Kirk Cousins is in town. We'll see. That, right. that might be a guy who uh, falls out. Um, but three guys that just missed this list, another rookie, by the way, on this list, um, Tredavious White just missed, Richard Sherman, and Jimmy Smith. I like Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith's a good yeah, player. Yeah, he's, he's a good player out in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Any of those guys or anyone else um, that didn't make the list, maybe a Denzel Ward to- hop in this top ten for you? Yeah. i got to say, the cornerback position is deep. That's what I'm saying. Because think about it, you get like two or three corners on every team, roughly. I mean, Because right. most of these guys... That are starting all yeah, the time. So playing it's, all the time, so, sure. it's, so it's tough. Um, I mean, Jimmy Smith's good, and I think he hops back in there and... I hate saying this because he is a Baltimore Raven, but other than Ben Roethlisberger, he's not really like you said with Slay. He sees Rogers, he sees Cousins, he's seeing Trubisky in the second year. But this guy's getting to see the Ben Ra- Roethlisberger, your um, guy Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton, who is a solid quarterback, but not to the caliber as. And then whoever the hell plays for the Browns, and then whoever most likely Tyrod Taylor. Most yeah, and so I mean you're you're not seeing those high caliber quarterbacks and I think he gets in that top 10 is that I gotta ask you now that we're talking about some of these guys that they face you know does it does Jalen Ramsey and AJ Bouye being that high you know seeing that they faced Tom Savage in week one and no Deshaun Watson you know the second time they played them no Andrew Luck in the Colts and then Mariota I mean that's the best quarterback they face in that division I think there's something to that I do think they are good they are do not get me wrong right but I think there is something to that because I mean you have a I mean, when you're, you know, when guys go to fate, when teams go to play Jacksonville, for instance, they have Blake Bortles as their quarterback, who's not a good, who's not a very accurate passer. He's not a good, you know, he's very. But when Blake sporadic. Bortles, you know, obviously Deshaun Watson injury, mm-hmm. you know, intact. I mean, when Blake Bortles is the second best quarterback in the division. Yeah, there's yeah. Still, there's something to that. Yeah. And I, I mean, to answer your point, yeah, I think there is definitely something to that that puts them higher. But I also think they're talented. I just think they're. You know, dominating those teams, obviously, you know, okay. any chance you can get helps. Okay, so since we talked about, you know, the, the one franchise guy you take in the MLB, I got to ask you, who's the one franchise guy you take in the NFL? And I think this is way harder. I, I do too, because you, I mean, it's it same, has to be a quarterback. It has to be a quarterback. Yeah. And the quarterback I want leading my team is Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G. Jimmy G, man. I Unproven mean, a little bit, but. Successful when given successful the opportunity. when given the opportunity, and the guy is just—I mean, the guy's a winner. You know, he just—he goes out there, does it, plays football, and that's you. He's a leader. I mean, you see someone like the mic'd up. I was—I remember watching. It was like a five-minute clip of him in the mic'd up when they had that comeback. I forget what team it was, but it was a late comeback in the fourth quarter, and the way he leads is somebody who I would want under center every single game, and you know. He learned from Tom Brady for what two years? Yeah, the guys, the guys, 
the guy's the real deal, and I think this year when he gets a full, his first full season, he proves that, and you know maybe even gets him to a wild card. It would be interesting, but I, yeah, I, I mean, think Jimmy G can get him to a wild card. I don't think Jimmy G's a bad choice. Um, you know, that's the the face of your franchise. That's a pretty face to have that as the is, face of your franchise. That's a pretty face to have. You know, the Rolling Meadows boys. Unbelievable, uh, yeah. man. Guys. Uh, I don't think Jimmy G's a bad choice. Personally, I came down to three guys, and it, it was tough. You know, it's really tough. The three, I, I guess really I had it down to four, and one of them was has been injured in Andrew Luck. He's not my first choice. My first choice would be Carson Wentz, who's mm-hmm. also, obviously, he had the ACL injury. Um, but it was it was uh, Wentz, Luck, Russell Wilson, and uh, and Deshaun Watson. So three of those four guys have had some injury problems. <laughs> right. And Deshaun Watson's more unproven than Jimmy G. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, kind of hard for me to, to give you any backlash on that. But, I mean, the guy's a winner. He's proven it in college. He's proven it when he had the opportunity in the, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He's an athlete. He's electric. He has had both ACLs torn, you know, both knees. So that's kind of the reason I, I he's not my my first pick. I, I think it's Carson Wentz for me. The age, um, you know, we we've seen what he can do. Um, but Russell Wilson might be my second choice. Okay. You know, he's he's talk about a leader, right? You know, manning the huddle, and Russell Wilson's a man among men out there. Mm-hmm. He's. I mean, I've nothing wrong with any of those four. Wentz, like you said, Wentz is a stud. Um, Watson, I'm very high on Watson. You know, you luckily have a good franchise yeah. quarterback out yeah. there in Houston. And, you know, those are, I mean, all four of those guys are just, you know, I hope luck figures it out. But we'll you know, see. Yeah. If he's healthy, I mean, if he's healthy, he's, 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 he's unbelievable yeah. and he's electric. And I just, I mean, Wentz is a good choice for you and nothing wrong now, with that. Now, let me ask you this, and, and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit because okay. we, we didn't talk about this before. Fair enough. If you can take one guy as your franchise player who's not a quarterback, who would you take? And that's that's very tough. I'm aware, but I'm putting you on the spot. And oh, I think I know your. Man. I think I know your answer. I'll be a little shocked. Who do you, if you, th- know who do you think I want to take? To be honest, I think you would probably take Von Miller. Von Miller, yeah. I, I'm taking a defensive lineman as well. I think it starts up front. I don't know if I take Von Miller. Part of the homer in me wants to take AJ Green, You're but receivers team. don't make no receivers don't make that jump, but. Honestly, I'm gonna stick on offense and go Le'Veon. Really? Yeah. See, I, that's shocking. See, to me, Le'Veon, and I know, like you know, defense wins championships and whatnot. And the other name I was—I mean, the other two guys I was wrestling with in my head just now was uh, Khalil Mack and Luke Keekley. Now, uh, the only reason why I'm taking Le'Veon is because the dude can catch. You can hand him the ball twenty. You can have him touch the ball for you know. 30, 40 times a game. Yes, it'll wear him out. But the guy, I mean, I, I get to watch this guy twice a year against the Bengals. Yeah. And the guy just tears us up. And it tears me up inside emotionally. And I, 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 I would pick Le'Veon Bell. And the only reason why I'm taking him over is because of that. I know, like I said, defense wins. And that's an important piece to have is that linebacker. But, you know, Le'Veon's just so electric. Yeah, see, it's tough for me to take a, a running back or a receiver, but especially running back. You know, the shelf life is not very long, as we've seen. Um, I mean, he's 26. This will be his sixth or seventh season, though, in the league. Um, so for me, I, I like I said on our previous shows, I think it starts up front, whether that's on the offensive line or defensive line. Mm-hmm. I'll take Aaron Donald. He's also 26, okay. the best player in football last year. 
I mean, you know, in my opinion, and probably a lot of people's opinions mm-hmm. as well. Um, so for me, if I'm not taking a quarterback, it'd probably be Aaron Donald. Okay, I like that pick. I mean, it's 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 tough. It's tough. That's not a quarterback. You know, ultimately, yeah. if you want look, if I'm starting a franchise on Madden, it's probably Le'Veon. <laughs> I mean, he's fun as probably fun as hell to play with. Right, you know? right, right. I get that, <laughs> but for longevity and who's going to impact my team for ten years, it's it's a it's defensive player. Yeah. Right, right. And it, I mean, it's tough. If I had time to think about, it, I could look at all my options. But right now, you'd probably pick AJ Green if you could look at all your options. Hey, man, best maybe receiver. Tyler Eifert, best receiver in the league, man, no, best not. receiver in the league. All right, before we wrap up the show. Give me one bold prediction for the NFL this season. Anything you want. Also putting you on the spot here. I'm sorry. Man. Bears make the playoffs. Bears make the playoffs. Bears make the playoffs. Bold prediction. Bears make the playoffs. Bears make the playoffs and Bengals make the playoffs. Well, that's two bold predictions. Two very bold predictions. Yeah, two now, very bold. Which one's more likely? More likely, I think, is the Bears. Just because... Hmm, I don't think actually, the Bengals are in a good... I think the Bengals aren't in a good... Right now, the Bengals are in that uh, purgatory. Yeah, they're not they're, on the up. They're, they're, not, on the, they're, they're like, not necessarily rebuilding. Right. And but they, I think the division they're in, minus the Steelers, gives them a better chance as opposed that's to... That's what I'm thinking. You know, the Lions, Packers, Vikings are all pretty good teams. Right. And I, th- that's, I, I think that's why I have a bold prediction with the Bears. I think the more the more likely of it happening is the Bengals. But I think the bolder is the Bears, for but sure. I think the bolder is the Bears. And okay. I think that Trubisky is... Everybody's saying, you know, predicting seven, eight games, which... Would be a good start. Um, I'm I'm gonna have them winning ten. I'm going ten, 10 and six this year. Wow! Because their defense, dude, they drafted uh, the kid from I forget Roquan Smith. Yeah, Roquan Smith. Out they of drafted him out of Georgia, and I think he changes that defense. We talked about uh, Adrian Amos. Amos is in that safety. I just yeah, Keem Hicks. They're like, good. They're good yeah, defensive. They team. are. They are a good defensive team. I think we'll they win if, 10 uh, games, and I think the Bengals make the playoffs. All right. predictions. We'll, we'll see if the Mitchell Trubisky and that offense can turn things around, if the defense can keep it up. But that was Nick's bold prediction. You guys heard it here. You know, Nick, thank you for coming on and, and, and hopping in for Tyler, who's got <laughs> apparently bigger, bigger and better yeah, things to do. This, this guy, unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Now nah, we're just giving you a hard time, Ty. But for real, thank you for coming on. Um, good talks, as always. You know, mm-hmm. You're welcome anytime you want to come on. and It was, uh, it was a lot of fun talking with you. I had fun. I had fun. I do. I mean, hopefully the next time I'm on, we can talk a little bit more about, you know, you guys have that chat back segment. I know I'm not a Shapiro, and I know, you know, I you know, I want to go on record as saying David won the last one. I think baseball is a hard sport to play. We won't get into it. But, um, you know, other debates too, you know, LeBron and Michael I want to get into and, um, you know, what position is the hardest out of all the sports sure. and um, you know, it, it's, it was fun, and I appreciate being on the show and hope to be back on soon. All right. Well, maybe we'll get Nick on a chat back here sometime soon. Chat back with Nick, and uh, we'll, we'll let you know about that, though. All you right. Know, we, can only, we can only argue with you for so long. <laughs> Baby stuff. AJ Green, best yeah, receiver. Well, that wouldn't be a chat back. That would just be Nick versus everybody else. Nick saying nonsense. So this was Double Overtime, guys. Thank you for listening. Nick, again, thank you for coming on. I'm your host, David. Tyler will be back Sunday, and uh, thank you guys for listening. Take care. Take care.